Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which is a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And if God will be my helper this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of the great commandment. Without a doubt, the most Christ-like thing that you'll ever do in this world is to love and return love. In so much that Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, Jesus said the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There are multitudes that will live a lifetime and never know what it really means to love or to be loved. There's folks that sit in here under the sound of my voice today that have spent nearly your lifetime and you've never really known what it meant to really be loved. And you be honest, you know that's true. Many of you never really knew, never really understood. So many so often use that word love. And so precious few ever know what it means. Never experience the reality of what real love is. The original love story that foreshadows the greatest love story that's ever told began some 6,000 years ago just outside the Garden of Eden. A lot of wonderful, wonderful things took place there in that garden paradise. But you may be surprised to find out what did not take place in that garden paradise. We'll look right much over in Genesis this morning in chapter 3. You'll find the story of Adam and Eve Unfortunately, you see the fall of man and the depravity of man. And in this, you see our mother Eve as she messes up. Her name is only mentioned four times in the canon of Scripture. Two times here in Genesis 3 and 4. Two times in the New Testament. And every time she's mentioned in the New Testament, it's in shame and disgrace. There was a lot that took place in the Garden of Eden in a paradise. And you see, as Adam served God and Eve served God and Adam, there were several things that we see on a regular basis inside the walls of fundamental so-called Bible-believing Baptist churches. There are several words I'll give you right quick, give you some definitions. It'll be between you and God in your heart what you see out of this. But the first one is there's no doubt that I see Eve as she serves Adam in the garden. I see the word duty. By definition, the word duty means that which a person owes to another, being bound by any natural, moral, or legal obligation. Inside the walls of church, we find many times, and there's no use to look for a crack in the floor, and it's not time to pray. 
But there's so many times that you and I, and I'll just go ahead and get in front of the line, serve God because of duty, because of a moral obligation, because of a legal obligation, because of a natural obligation, we're obliged to do what we do, and we serve God out of duty. Duty's not a bad thing, but duty's not what God demands. Many times we see there's no doubt that Eve served Adam and served God out of doctrine. In the greatest sense, in the greatest general definition of doctrine, it simply means whatever is taught. It means a principle or a position that's laid down as a truth by an instructor or a master. It simply means learn knowledge. And so many times we serve God by duty and we serve God by doctrine. Because that's what we were taught. Because heathens lay in the bed on Sunday morning and watch television and good people get up and go to church. It's doctrine. It's what we've been taught here in the Bible Belt. There's no doubt as I see the everyday life in the Garden of Eden, there's no doubt there was duty and there's no doubt there was doctrine. There's another thing that I see in that garden that I see in every church I've ever been in is I see discipline. By definition, the word discipline means to subject oneself to laws, rules, order, precepts, or regulations. And inside the walls of fundamental churches, we've got multitudes that have learned discipline. They've learned to subject themselves to rules and order and precepts and regulations. And duties fine, doctrines fine, disciplines fine, but it's still not what God demands. Inside the walls of fundamental Bible-believing Baptist churches, I see people serve God out of determination. So many times, and I know this hurts this morning, this hurts me, and God's had to let this hurt me so I could bring it to you this morning. But so many times we serve God out of determination. By definition, the word determination means a decision in the mind. A firm resolution and a settled purpose. Determination's good, but determination's not what God demands. In Matthew fifteen seven, Jesus said, "Ye hypocrites, well did he size prophesy of you, saying, These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips." But their heart is far from me. You can serve God in duty and your heart be a million miles away. You can serve God in doctrine and your heart still a million miles away. You can serve God in discipline. You can serve God with determination and your heart still be a million miles away and be lost as a ball in high weeds because that ain't what God demands. And Isaiah 29, 13, Isaiah said, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth, with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Duties, not a bad thing. Doctrine, discipline, determination are all noble. And honorable factors, but doctrine and duty and discipline and determination was not enough to keep Eve from the temptation that was inside her lustful heart. 
and this morning duty and doctrine and discipline and determination are all good, but they do not satisfy the demands of a holy God and they will not keep you out of hell. In James 1.14, the Word of God says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And you see Eve in the Garden of Eden as she begins to talk with the serpent, and you see that in the Garden of Eden, with all of these other things, was present a great disgrace. Genesis 3, 6, read with me if you will. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and her tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Verse 12, The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. A lot of people look at Adam and say, In this verse of Scripture, Adam passed the buck. You can think that if you want to, but God never rebuked him for it. God turned to the woman and the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And in her laziness and slothfulness and in her own self-conceit and desire and the lust of her heart, Eve could not be content with the man God gave her. Eve could not be content with the life that God had given her. And you see her talking to the devil. May I say her mouth got her in trouble? She didn't have any business talking to him to start with. But she finds herself talking with Lucifer. And he begins to work inside her heart and her head and to convince her that God really don't love you because God don't want you to have everything you want. May I remind you that everything you want is not good for you. Eve didn't need everything she wanted and God wasn't being mean. God sets boundaries because he loves us. Mama, Daddy, you set boundaries for your children because you love them. I've already warned some this morning to stay away from the flame of the stove. It's not because I'm mean and I don't want them to play in fire. It's because I don't want them to be hurt. In 1 Timothy 2.11, the word of God says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Why did God say that? Because her mouth got her in trouble to start with. Our tongues can get us in a world of hurt, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. 
But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Numbers 32, 23 says, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And Eve's been slipping around behind Adam's back and talking to the devil. Romans 14, 7, the word of God says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. And Eve had no idea that day what was about to take place. But her sin's going to find her out one day, and here we are 6,000 years later in a public assembly talking about what she did in private. Your sin don't just hurt yourself, it hurts all those around you. The Word of God said in Genesis 3.16, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Did you know that there is no other creature, no beast upon the earth that suffers in childbearing like a human woman? These little old deer can walk and horses and other animals can stand up and have their, have their little ones standing up and walk off and go to grazing and eating. You know that? It's a curse on womankind because of Eve's sin. The Word of God says, Thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake in sorrow. Shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return in the ground. For out of it was thou taken... For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Only God knows this morning how long they lived in the Garden of Eden. It was a tropical paradise, a lush green garden of wonder and beauty that was created out of the infinite mind of a holy God. Every good thing imaginable was at their fingertips. There was no such thing as tedious manual labor. Adam used 100% of his brain. Scientists say that Einstein probably used only about 10% of his mental capacity and Adam had full 100%. Adam was an intellectual genius that was able to think and accomplish tasks with the power of his mind. You say, you believe that, preacher? I believe that with all my heart. Adam didn't work in the garden. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't have to toil. Adam just thought things and they happened. Adam was clothed in the Shekinah glory of Almighty God, purely innocent. There was no existence of any impurity or any immorality. And Adam and Eve walked in the raw presence of Almighty God. There was no suffering, there was no pain, no anxiety, no fear, no worry, and no death until that fateful day. In Genesis three twenty three, the Word of God said, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man 
He placed in the east of the guard of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Heartbreaking day in the garden when Almighty God literally drove Adam out the gate of the garden and said a cherubims and a flaming sword of fire before that gate that would kill anyone that tried to enter back in that gate. This is a new day and a new dawning. There's a lot of interesting things that took place in that garden, but now you and I can very well know and understand what happens next. And you see the hardships of mankind and all of a sudden Adam has to work for his food. The ground has to be tilled and the ground's cursed and it brings forth thorns and briars. The sun beats down on Adam's brows. He sweats and labors and Eve. The entire time, every day, day by day, she saw up close and personal the heartache that she had caused. She was tempted by Satan, but Adam was tempted by Eve. And after a long, hard day's work and toil and labor, and he comes in and his hands are blistered and cut and his feet are blistered, and Eve looks every day with shame on what she caused and what she did. One day, he finally on a lonely hillside buries his son and death is entered in. And he comes back after he's dug a little old grave and put his son Abel in. And he comes home and No doubt Eve weeps bitter tears because of something she set in motion that will not be turned back in her lifetime. Adam had always loved Eve, but it was only now that she first begins to see and understand the depth of the love Adam had for her. And now what she sees is a living demonstration of Ephesians 5.25, the word of God said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Eve had lived for however long they had lived in the Garden of Eden. There'd been a lot of pleasures. There'd been a lot of fruits. There'd been a lot of wonderful things in that garden. But there's something Adam's never experienced, Brother Tim. Eve's never loved him. Adam loved Eve. As a matter of fact, Adam loved Eve more than he loved God. If he hadn't, he never would have took the fruit. He loved her with all that was in him. And Adam, that fateful day, would rather have taken that fruit and died along with Eve rather than to have stayed in that garden and lived without her. Are you seeing the picture this morning? Eve's never seen a demonstration of love before. Oh, she probably heard it from him. And she's had his fellowship and she's walked with him. But Eve's never really understood a demonstration of love until she saw that man thrust out of that garden because he wanted to be with her. Boy, this must have done something on the inside of her. But see, this is not just a picture of Adam and Eve. This is a picture of the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam 
was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. You see, Adam the whole time was a picture and topology. Romans 5, 6 says, For when ye were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This morning, it's an impossible task for me to articulate and draw you a picture of the cross of Calvary. And I've said this many times, but lest you forget, after the Lord Jesus had suffered those awful torments that he suffered on the cross, and it started way before the cross, it wasn't just the physical pain that he felt, it was the pain in his heart that he felt. The being rejected of being mocked and being ridiculed of knowing, Brother James, that he had loved these people with an undying love and they turned their back on him. They smote him. Now they've been the betrayers of his own blood. And how many of you have even told me stories of even in the past week of folks that you've loved and folks you prayed for, Folks that we've all went to church together with and prayed for and loved and even in the past few days have mocked and ridiculed you and me and the church and the gospel we preach. The pain of Calvary wasn't just those spike nails that held him on a tree. Jesus suffered great mental anguish as he watched those that loved him turn against him. When that terrible terrible dark day was finished it was customary and usual that a body would take sometimes even several days to die on the cross the death of the cross is a death of asphyxiation and as long as a man had enough strength to hold himself upright on that cross he had enough strength that he could breathe and bring oxygen into his lungs but when a man loses his strength and begins to slump down and the muscles pull on his chest cavity and begin to compress his lungs to the point that he can't breathe, he can't expel carbon dioxide and he can't breathe in fresh air, a man dies of asphyxiation. They was in a hurry this day and they were going to go by and break the legs of those malefactors on the crosses. When they came to the sweet Lord Jesus, the Word of God said that the Lord Jesus had already cried, it finished, and it was over. Not a bone of him was broken. But it so infuriated one of those cruel Roman soldiers that when he saw the Lord Jesus was already dead and he wouldn't have the pleasure of breaking his bones and taking his life, it wasn't his to take, it was Christ's life and he gave it freely. But just out of vehement hatred that he had for the Son of God, a Roman soldier took a spear and thrust it up into the side of the Son of God, already dead, hanging lifeless. And the Word of God said, Forthwith came blood and water. You already know that's Adam in the outside the Garden of Eden when the Word of God said God took a rib from Adam's side. He gave him a bride. 
And on the cross of Calvary from the side of the sweet Lord Jesus, he purchased a bride for himself. You know, the picture is Jesus here. But inside of all of that, there's something been missing from the garden. Eve has served Adam out of duty and out of doctrine and out of discipline and out of determination. But Eve's never served Adam out of desire. She never loved him before. And all this time in the garden, Adam had served God out of duty and out of doctrine and out of discipline and determination. But Adam has never really loved God and he's never really served him out of desire. I like telling Baptist things they're not used to hearing. But it was not until Adam was banished from the garden and Almighty God killed some little innocent animal to clothe Adam with a coat of skin that Adam got the picture and realized and understood how much he was really loved. And when Adam saw how much he was loved, then Adam could love God. When Eve saw how much she was loved, she could love Adam. And now there's a desire. And that day in the garden, Eve was broken. And she sees the sacrifice that Adam made. And Adam was broken when he saw the sacrifice that Christ would one day make. And it changed everything. And they realized that in a garden paradise, Brother Tim... With all the good and all the lovely things there was, they really didn't have love. Let me help you out this morning. Life ain't worth living without it. If you've ever had it, you ain't never going to do without it. And now there's a desire in Genesis 3.16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Eve had gotten to the place where Eve was fat and sassy and self-sufficient. Eve was in the place she thought she didn't need God and didn't need Adam or anybody else. Now Eve's witnessed the folly of sin and the forgiveness of Adam. And now she desires him because she loves him. Because she sees how much he must have loved her. God said, thy desire shall be to thy husband. The word desire here by definition in the Hebrew language means to long for. It literally means to stretch out after. To want it so bad you'd be willing to reach and stretch and try to achieve it. And for all the time they lived in the Garden of Eden, Adam had reached out to Eve, but she ain't reached back. All my life a holy God was reaching out to me. And Brother Westy, it wasn't until he broke me down and let me see what my sin had caused that I reached back for him. Yeah. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? I'm talking about love story where God loved our wretched, miserable hide so much he is willing to reach for us. First John four nineteen said, We love him because he first loved us. You show me a woman that refuses to be in submission, subjection to a man, I'll show you a woman that hates God. That's this book. She hates God. Because God put it in the heart of a natural woman to desire somebody to take care of her. That's natural. And anything short of that's unnatural. You know that? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Fellas, you want her to treat you like a king? Then treat her like a queen. Show her you love her. Be good to her. Be willing to sacrifice for her even when she don't know. When she don't even understand what you're doing. In the revelation, Christ rebuked the church at Ephesus. One of the greatest churches ever established. He didn't rebuke them because of fornication. He didn't rebuke them because of adultery. And he didn't rebuke them because of liberalism. Miss Diane, he rebuked them because they just didn't love him anymore. You know what the demand of a holy God is? He loves you. You know what he wants in return? You think he wants your duty? You think he's impressed with your doctrine? Your determination? I don't know what he wants, Miss Shawnee. He just wants you to love him. Is that so hard? Oh, yeah, it is. I'll tell you why it's so hard. Because we're so in love with ourselves. That's Eve's problem. She loved Adam. She loved herself. She loved God. She loved herself. And she wanted what she wanted. Matthew twenty two thirty five. Then said one of them, which was a lawyer, and asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him that thou love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. This morning there's some that sit under the sound of my voice that serve God out of duty. And from time to time I do. There's some that serve God out of doctrine, and from time to time I do. Discipline, determination, and from time to time I do. But the probing question this morning is, do you desire Him? I mean, do you really love Him more than you love yourself? I've said this for years. I'm going to keep saying it because it's true. But you know what men do, Brother James? I'm going to tell you what men do. They do exactly what they want to. Now, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. But men do what they want to do. Brother Ricky, I have pastored churches where I have had folks that not one time in my tenure as a pastor in that church, not one time ever bothered to darken the door of the church, not once. But they'd have grandchildren... Strung back, look like a parade, wheeling them around in their wheelchair, going all over the hospital, visiting folks in the hospital. 
and they get them one of them little motorized carts and ride around over Walmart. But preacher, I ain't able to come to church. I'm going to tell you what folks do. They do what they want to do. That's what I do. I don't, I don't suspect you're any different than I am. It's amazing. We've had some bad weather this year, Brother Ricky, and folks in churches all over this county are belly aching, whining, and crying. Oh, I just can't get out on the ice. Well, they can go to Lowe's grocery store three times a day. Complain about why there ain't no milk. <laughs> and what, Brother Ricky, they must want milk more than they want Jesus. And that's what they're going to get. They ain't going to get much Jesus because they don't want him. But I'm going to tell you what, when men and women come together and assemble themselves together and put forth an effort, I watched some of you in the past few weeks that you didn't care that you got to come into our little place and it wasn't about our four and no more, but you were willing to go to Brother Mark's church or willing to go somewhere else to get around the household of faith and be around the people of God because something inside of you caused you to want to get around, not because of duty and not because of doctrine, Brother James, but there was a desire in your heart that you wanted to get where God was. That's what God demands, Brother Wesley. A desire in us. There ain't enough duty that make my wife stay with me the last 24 years. <laughs> there ain't enough discipline that make my wife stay with me 24 years. There ain't enough. And honey, I know that. But just there must have been a desire somewhere along the line. Are you listening? You know what caused you to be faithful to God? Duty won't. One day you'll get tired of duty and you'll do like Eve and you'll chase after what you want. Doctrine won't keep you in line. Discipline won't keep you in line. And determination won't keep you in line. Wayne, I tried all that stuff when I was lost. It didn't fix me. But you walk by the tent one night on a raggedy couch in a little old raggedy green and cream colored trailer on the fire plains road. God smothered me in his love. Let me know it's dirty and filthy and rotten as I'd be. And he loved me and he wanted me. And if he hadn't wanted me, he wouldn't have been calling me. If he hadn't wanted me, he wouldn't have been hugging on me. And that night in that trailer, God broke my heart and I saw how much he cared. And God gave me faith to trust that if I just trust him, he'd forgive me. And he'd make it all brand new. And that's the only way you ever love God. He's got to give you a new heart. And he does that when you see what a mess you've made. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. They're not grievous, Miss Diane. It's not grievous. It, t- it absolutely blows my mind, Brother Ricky. People that praise God, it's no, we don't have to go to church. <laughs> It like to torment some of y'all. Well, that, but I never had anything break my heart any worse than us not being able to come together and have church. Wednesday night, my heart was so broke, Brother Ricky. He wants us to love him. That's what he desires and that's what he demands. You know what Adam wanted in that garden? All Adam ever wanted was for Eve to love him. That's all he ever wanted. There's some of you in this room today, you've got a lot of love in your heart. Now, all you've ever wanted is somebody to receive your love, love you back. Listen, I, I've adopted most of y'all as my children. I don't care how old y'all. 
And that's not relevant. I don't look like much and I ain't got much to offer, but God put love in my heart and I like to give it to somebody. I don't mean to be selfish, Miss Diane, but I'm human and I like to get some of it back once in a while. It's got great dividends. He deserves our love. Everything we got to give to him. All Adam ever wanted was for Eve to love him. And now she does. But not in the garden. It took a great trial. It took a great distress for her to ever get to that place where she could love him. Where she could really see that. There ain't nothing wrong with doctrine. I believe in it. That's why I teach it. There ain't nothing wrong with duty. And when you ain't got nothing else to sustain you, it'd be a good thing just to do your duty. But all that stuff's worthless without a desire. And I brought you to this place and I'm going to drop you off right here. If you didn't feel some duty toward God, you wouldn't be here. If you didn't believe some of the doctrines I teach out of this book, you wouldn't be here. If you didn't have some determination, you wouldn't be here. If there wasn't some discipline in your life, you'd be laying in bed this morning instead of being here. But the big question is, do you really desire Him? That you really want Him enough that you'd give up anything and everything for Christ? I didn't really realize it the night that I sat on that couch that I got saved, Brother Jesse. I didn't really realize it that night. But I was giving him everything I had. There was nothing held back. There was nothing God could have asked of me that night, Miss Diane. I wouldn't have done. I wanted him so bad. I wanted him so bad, Brother Tim. You ain't going to get saved till you want him that bad. I messed a whole lot of things up in my life. I ain't never loved my wife like I ought to. I ain't never loved my family like I ought to. But nothing breaks my heart anymore than daily. God reminds me I ain't never loved him like I ought to. Do you love him this morning? Or is it just a word you got used to saying? God help us search our hearts this morning. Where's your desire? I mean, where's your real desire? That you really want to love him, right? Because I promise you on the authority of God's word, if your love for God's right, everything else will work out. Ain't nothing else matters. Now, outside the garden, in the toil of the day, in the heat of the day, in the briars and the brambles, it's rough. But I can see a smile on Adam's face because he finally got what he's after. She loves him now. And I guarantee you, Adam would rather live outside and have to till the ground with her love than living in that garden without it. That's what love will do for you. Heads bowed and eyes closed.